Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I want to read a verse to you, and this is the verse that we're really kind of going to expand on over the next month. I'm actually going to speak on one verse for one whole month. There'll be other verses and other stories as well, but this is going to be the primary verse, and it's called expository preaching, where I'm going to be going word by word through this verse. And the reason being is God's really been speaking to me about it for us, and I want us to really discover the depths and layers of truth that is found in this verse. It's found in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, and it's Jesus speaking to a group of his disciples, and the Bible says, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. we will read that one more time. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Let's pray together. God, for these next few moments, we dedicate them to you. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you come and, and come into this room. I pray there's no distractions, no other things, no other agendas. We're here for you and you alone, Jesus. We thank you so much, God, that you're so faithful and you're so good. And I just pray, come Holy Spirit, speak through me to us, Lord God, that we might be prepared, ready for this new year. We want to change. We're ready to change. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, all God's people said, amen. Amen. 2020, how many of you made New Year's resolutions? Let me see your hands. You made some. Some of you are like, I am over that. How many people... How many people have kept the New Year's resolutions? We're down to three. Okay, good. Oh, good. I think it's a good thing to set resolutions, set goals. I think it's a good thing. I understand why we wouldn't, because if you don't set a goal, you can't fail, and and I I, kind of get the allure of that. But but I think it's a good thing that once a year, we all kind of come into a time of, like, reflection. We look at what kind of has happened, but we look forward to what can happen. I think the potential of a new year is an awesome thing. I try not to be uh, critical about it. I try not to be uh, uh, negative about it. And, and, I, and I, I love that. It just does seem that that is the vibe where we do believe we can be new in a new year. We do believe things can change. I think that's awesome. You know, even, even the way, I love the way people say goodbye to the previous year. It's never thankful. It's always like good riddance, you know, but this next year, it's like, this next year, but every year, it's like every year on Twitter, it's like, that was the worst year ever, but this next year, it's like, this is three years in a row, you know? It's the same, same guy, you know? But I, 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 I like it anyways. It, no matter what happened last year, I think there's something to the potential of a new season. There's something to the potential of a new moment. And I think these are moments where if you pause and you you are intentional about your approach, you can choose right now, how am I going to approach not just the new year, but the new decade? And in this sermon series, I want to use as a tool to help set your direction for the next decade. Set your approach for the next decade. What are you going to pursue? What are you going to go after this next year and this next decade? What is it that you're going to chase? You know, are you going to chase wealth? Are you going to chase after finances? Are you going to chase after health? Are you going to chase after status? What is it that you're going to chase, that you're going to pursue, that you're going to orient your life towards in this next decade? 
Are you going to pursue love? Are, are you going to pursue that same girl that's, that said no multiple times? And it's like, move on, pursuing a different person. It's 2020. Find someone else. Are you going to pursue? What are you going to pursue? Are you going to pursue a new direction? Are you going to pursue a new lifestyle? Are you going to pursue a new philosophy? What is it that you're going to chase after? Are you going to chase after a new feeling or new emotions? Are you going to chase after, after, after a new way of living? Are you going to move physically, move locations? What is it that you're going to chase after in this new year? Because the reality is you are going to chase something. You're going to pursue something. You're going to be aiming towards and oriented towards something. No matter what you do, you are chasing something. And, and so my question is simply, what is your goal? What's the finish line? What's the North Star? What's the, the guardrails that you set to the destination you want to get to? What is the goal that you're going to have over this next year? Because goals are good things. They let you know when you're off target or you're off track. What is it that you're going to pursue? What direction are you going to head? What goals are you going to have in this new year? As I, I was reading and preparing for this, this new year, I, I saw within this verse that Jesus sets a goal for us. It's pretty amazing. Jesus actually helps us determine a worthwhile goal. He, he says it right here. If anyone would come after me, that's the goal. Come after me. That's the goal. Amazing how much we go after ourselves. Amazing how many times we're chasing after them. Amazing how many times we're chasing after that or there or thus. How many times we're chasing after emotions or feelings or approval from somebody or chasing after a house like they've got, or a car like they've got, or a relationship like they've got, and we're, we're chasing after other things, orienting our lives based off other people's lives. And we don't even know the context. But, but, but if we're not careful, we can be moved in the direction of others based on just a lack of having a, a worthwhile goal, a true goal, a powerful, eternal goal. And we, we can begin to follow People not worth following or even following things not worth following, yourself, your emotions, your, your, your vibes, your, your feelings. And Jesus, he sets a worthwhile goal for us. He says, me. If you want, come after me. When I see that, I have to ask myself, is that my ultimate goal? Because it's not necessarily just because you're a Christian. Just because you love God doesn't mean that he is your ultimate goal. That's the question today. Is Jesus... Is Jesus your ultimate goal? Now, I'm not saying is he an additive, a good thing. I'm not saying he's a good teacher, good philosopher, guru, good guy. I'm saying, is he the ultimate goal of your destination in life? Is he the foremost and the first? Is he the originator, the thing you're chasing after? Is Jesus the one that you are pursuing above anyone else? The thing that you're chasing after above anything else? Is he the goal? And he sets it up right here saying, if I'm the goal, if you're going to come after me, I'm going to help you do this, which I think is pretty good. I'm actually really thankful because sometimes in our church environment, we're, or not even just church, even in our, our culture, it's just we're trying to figure out our way forward by like our emotions or our feelings. And 
I don't know how many people are like just numbers people, your list people, your to-do list people, but if that's you, I don't know what, if you're like the Enneagram one or five or whatever, this is for you. <laughs> Jesus is just straight up giving you a formula. Isn't that good? Because I know you can't boil God down into a formula. He, he is the expansion, he's beyond the universe, you can't. But it is a, I don't know, I don't know how you feel, but I feel grateful that God actually is gonna give me some very practical steps I can get, I can do, in order to pursue him. And they're found right in this scripture. God says, am I the goal? That's the first question you have to answer today because you might say he's not. And then if you answer he's not, I would challenge you to say what goal could ever be in life more worthy than the goal of knowing God and pursuing him? You have to write it down. What is above God? And anything that is above God it is so unworthy of your life. First and foremost, we gotta reprioritize in the new decade who is first. Who do I pursue? Who, who matters? And if Jesus then becomes the ultimate goal, then I got to know, well, then how do I get to him, right? How do I know him? How do I chase after him? How does he know me? Luckily, Jesus says, if I'm the goal and you're going to come after me, here is how you do it. Number one, you got to be all in. That's his requirement. If you're coming after me, you got to be all in. Jesus, Jesus is not going to share the stage with nobody. He's not going to share your life with any other thing. He's saying, if you're going to come after me, I'm, I'm with it. But it's going to require everything. It's going to require all of you. I need for you to be all in. Here's the blueprint that I see. If anyone wants to come after me, you need to be all in. What does that look like? Let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For the next three weeks, I'm going to work through those different subjects. But those are some very practical steps, a blueprint, a formula on what it looks like to follow Jesus. Sometimes I know we, we translate information, we, we, we retain it, receive it differently. So I wanted to break this down into a couple different symbols that will be easy for you to remember. Check, check this out. This is, this is, I don't know where the symbols are going to come up. They're going to come up somewhere, everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> the first is an X. Jesus says, first and foremost, you need to deny yourself. If you want to come after me, you can't be obsessed with you. If you're gonna chase after me, you can't chase after your own wants, your own desires, your own self, your own thoughts, your own stubbornness. It's either me or you. Right off the bat, am I the goal? Then you can't be in charge here. I, I love this, because this is a radical call to God-reliance, not self-reliance. This is a radical, and what's so brilliant about this is this gets more radical the more time goes on. The more comfortable we come, the more innovations and inventions that happen, the more self-obsessed our culture becomes, the more radical this call becomes. It's easy to deny yourself when you're not starting with a whole lot anyways. You know, when you don't have a whole lot and you got nothing to lose and barely anything to give. But when you are consumed with self, surrounded by comfort, every possible thing you could want or imagine is at your fingertips, yet this call grows all the more. God says, not you, me. So next week, I'm going to speak on this subject, deny yourself, how to deny yourself. I can already tell some of you are saying, I'm going to skip next week. Don't, <laughs> don't skip. Because I think I'm not, I'm not just going to talk to you about willpower, and I'm not just going to say, don't do. Because see, we're not under the law. We are under grace. But God says you can grow in grace. I can grow in grace. I want to go further into grace. I want to receive more grace. I want to have more grace on my mind, on my heart, on my emotions, on my family. How do I grow in grace? This is, this is part of it. This is part of it. Then you need to latch on to the grace giver. 
And so I, I think next week is really gonna help you, but hear me, it's not about willpower. It's not about a list of don'ts, don'ts, don'ts. It's about a lifestyle where you're choosing I'm not gonna align with my flesh because my flesh, myself, my, my worldly nature is a very terrible God. I'm not gonna listen to that. I'm gonna come over to God because he's who I'm pursuing and I'm gonna allow him to speak to me. The second symbol is a cross where he's, he goes on and he says, and then you need to take up your cross. See, Jesus, Jesus does, never asks you to do something he doesn't do himself. He took up his cross literally, but, but really what Jesus is speaking about is embracing the sacrifice that God's called you to in life. We really have, we live in a place and time where the word sacrifice is almost a dirty word, where, where, where we avoid pain and we, we avoid difficult things. But here Jesus is saying, don't just, I, I not only want you to not avoid it, I want you to step into it. Come on, lift that cross. Put it on your back. What's this telling me? It's telling me that you are stronger than you think you are. You're able to overcome more than you ever thought you were able to. You're able to endure some very real sacrifices in life. The things that you thought were gonna crush you, I think God will give you the ability and the soul strength to lift up on your back and walk forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, can the church say amen? But Jesus is saying don't run, don't run away from it, don't try and shift out of it, don't try and avoid it. Come on, look at that thing and say, I'm here for you. Take up your cross. And then here's the call to adventure. Come follow me. I use the A because it's upwards and forwards. Come and follow me. Yeah, I, I've, I've been writing these symbols just everywhere where I can see it because I want this as a reminder. Every day, I got to say no to me. Every day, I got to take up that cross. Every day, I got to follow Jesus. And I love the follow Jesus part because that is the the culmination of the formula. It's the culmination. He says, if you want to come after me, you can't follow yourself. You're going to have to pick up a cross just like me. But then you get the adventure, the lifestyle, the, 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 the journey of following after Jesus. Follow me is the two greatest words of invitation anyone has ever heard in all of history. I mean, we think about it. When, when, when we read those words that Jesus says to Peter at the Sea of Galilee, come, follow me. Remember, I was there in Israel, and everyone goes to the Sea of Galilee, and they're like, this was the spot. <laughs> Peter was right here fishing, and God said, follow me. And it's, it's like this holy place. But, but can I tell you, Jesus says it to you too. It's not just for him and there and then. He says to all. If you want to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and then follow me. It's not just Paul. It's not just Peter. It's not just the greats of old. It's you and I are being called to an incredible adventure with Jesus Christ, an interactive relationship where there is love, there's joy, there's peace, where there's going to be a journey, where he's going to grow your character, where he's going to give you grace in your time of need. He says, follow me into the adventure of a lifetime. It is open for all. And so how do we do it? What does it look like to deny yourself? What does it look like to take up your cross? Because the reality is it is different for all of us. And that's why God sends his Holy Spirit who's going to partner with you and help you through this. This isn't about willpower. This isn't about you saying, all right, I got to do more. I got to be more. I got to be really good today. That's not what it's about. Relax. No, God gives the Holy Spirit, but he also gives some spiritual disciplines 
that you're going to be able to integrate into your daily life that are going to deepen your walk, strengthen your soul. And here's, here's my point today, that these spiritual disciplines will position you to pursue Jesus. Spiritual disciplines will position you to pursue Jesus. I want to speak to you about some very practical things that Jesus did, that the disciples did, that you and I can do, that will go right along with this formula in following Jesus. But I I need to highlight two words first before we get there. The first is if. I love that Jesus starts this whole concept off with the word if. Here's why. Because God is about personal choice. God did not want to create a drone. He didn't want to create a clone. He doesn't want you to look and sound and do and be exactly what everyone else is in the exact order, in the exact way. Christianity is not about stripping you of identity. It's about remaking your identity, that you would look and act like Christ, be fully yourself. You are uniquely created, incredibly designed. God's given you gift, talents, abilities. He's given you a calling and a purpose. When he brings us all together, it's this incredible mosaic of people coming together, broken, but integrated to create one perfect picture of a perfect Christ. That's what God is doing every single Sunday with you and me. But, but Jesus is a gentleman. He will not force you to do anything. He will not force you to worship him. He will not force you to, to submit to him. He, he will not force you to follow him. He starts it off just saying, look, if you want to come after me, this is going to be your choice. You're going to have to make some decisions. You're, you're, going, to have to, you're going to have to realign some priorities, but, but it is, it's your choice. It's like back in the Garden of Eden when, when God planted two trees in the garden. One was the tree of life. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, I'm going to take care of everything, Adam and Eve. This place is going to be the sickest place you will ever be. The only thing is, here's the if, the only thing is if you eat of that tree of of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil, you're gonna surely die. But he had to put that choice there. Otherwise, they wouldn't have a free will nature. Therefore, their love would be compulsory. And God says, I want your love to be voluntary. And, and, so, and so God put that tree there. And, and you know the story, the, the, the snake possessed by, by Satan comes in and begins to manipulate the words of God. Did God really say? And he gets to get the man and the woman to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What that means is, Listen, you can't know good, true good. You can't know good in the, in, the, in the most fundamental sense if you know God. But you can't know good without knowing evil. And you can't really know anything without experiencing it. And so what God is saying is if you're going to eat from that tree, you're going to experience evil. And for thousands of years, millennials, millenniums, we, millennials, millenniums. It's funny. It's, a, it's another message for another time. Spiritual disciplines, a sermon to millennials. Get out of bed. All right. <laughs> what am I talking about? Genesis. What they, what they did is, is they, they made a choice, and they made a wrong choice, and we've experienced evil because of that choice. But here comes Jesus, the regenesis, the regenerator, and he, he comes back, and he's the tree of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but there's also the tree of life. He is the tree of life, and he's giving us another choice, and he says, if you want to come after me, I will give you life and life so much more abundantly. In other words, you get to choose again. 
The choice is not made for you. You get to choose again. Do I want to know evil or do I want to know Jesus? Do I want to pursue self or do I want to pursue Christ? I get to get a regenerated process in my life. And, and Jesus says, here it is. If you want to come up to me, but the choice is yours. I don't know how God speaks to you, but to me, many times I hear God speak with, with the word if, like with choice. Sometimes I'll be reading my Bible and, and I'll be going through my daily Bible reading plan. And I'll feel really good when it's done. Solid Christian, A plus, killed it today. Holy, 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 yes. You know how you feel like when you, when you got that check mark, you know, like did it, you know? And sometimes I'll hear God say, hey, if you read a little bit more, I'll speak to you. And it's like, God, you've been speaking to me for five chapters, you know? But God's saying like, look, I think God's, that's good, but if you push a little bit further, I'm really got something for you. And so I have a choice. Do I want to read a little bit more? And hear from God, or do I want to say, I did my duty, I'm moving on? Sometimes, even when I'm praying, I'll pray real quick. God, thank you. But here, I hear God say, if you be quiet, I'll say something to you. Stop talking to me, I'll say something to you. <laughs> Does God talk to you guys like this? He talks to me like this. He's just so real. Hey, shh, shut your mouth, I'll say something. You know? And so I have a choice. Will I sit and wait in my car for just a couple more minutes in silence to hear from God, or am I going to move on to make more stuff happen? God is, he's so good, he always gives us a choice. And, and, and more than that, he opens the choice up to anyone. He, he says, if anyone would come after me. In other words, spiritual disciplines in the pursuit of God is not just for the select few spiritual elites. It's not just for the chosen, the set apart. It's not just for the incredible individuals. It's for anyone. And I think many times we discount ourselves from the open invitation from Christ Many times, not because we think we're unworthy, and, and maybe that, that is part of it, but once you understand grace, you understand that you were never worthy, you never could be worthy, that you are here totally because God is good. But a lot of times, I think we discount ourselves as Christians as we begin to walk after God, because not because we don't think we're unworthy, but we think we're unable. Like, God can save me, and he can save a wretch, but, but now, can I really do that? Can I take that next step? Can I begin to walk into all that God has for me? And, and sometimes we put people up on pedestals so that we can kind of create a disparity between us and them. But you're a preacher. You know how many times people have said that? But you're a pastor. I have a secret book. I've taken a magic potion. I've got a special formula you don't have. No, no, I'm right in the struggle with you. I'm trying to know God right with you. We're in this thing together. Sometimes I feel on Sundays, like I'm gonna come up here and I'm gonna open the book, but I hope you got some faith too. Because we're gonna see what happens. I'm not coming up here as the Pope with a big hat saying, this is what God says. I don't know how, if that's how he speaks. <laughs> I haven't got a chance to talk to him yet. But I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna come and say, look, this is what I feel God's speaking to me. Come on, what's he speaking to you? What's he speaking to us? We're in this thing together. Because I think, I think sometimes we discount ourselves from spiritual disciplines because we think that's for pastors, that's for priests, or that's for monks. Discipline people, you gotta wear those long brown things, rope, you gotta speak Latin. That's what we think when we think spiritual discipline. The fallacy that, that discipline is for the special people, not for the disciples. But I'm here to say spiritual disciplines are for everybody. And they're here to bring you close to the realm of God, the presence of God, so that your spirit can be strengthened, 
Your soul can be renewed. Come on, your walk can be straightened. Your pursuit can become intentional. Can you say amen? amen. Listen, I, I, I want you, to, I want you to, to hear me on this. God, Jesus didn't say, hey, pray, but only if you live in a cave and speak Latin or Greek, you know. That's not what, Jesus didn't say, hey, read the word. Read the word, but only by candlelight. You get what I'm saying? I think a lot of times we put spiritual disciplines in the place for super, superhuman spiritual people. And what I'm trying to say to you is, I think it's part of the process of getting to know God. Denying myself, how do I do that? Because I, I gotta do that if I wanna know God. You know? Coming after him. How, how, what are some things I'm gonna have to give up if I'm gonna go after him? And how do I do that? Because I wanna know God. See, spiritual disciplines are for every disciple. When Jesus was praying, he, he prayed for you and I, and he said, Lord, I pray that you sanctify them and you protect them. He said, but do not remove them from the world. Jesus did not pray, I got them saved? All right, get them to heaven real quick. That's not what Jesus prayed for you. He said, God, keep them in their world. Keep them in their job. Keep them at that awkward family Thanksgiving dinner. Keep them in their difficulty. Keep them right in their world, but protect them and sanctify them. Come on, process them, change them, grow them. That's Jesus' prayer for you, that you're not done, that you're not at your lowest point forever, but you're gonna grow, you're gonna become healthy, you're gonna become strong, body, mind, soul, spirit. Are you with me? Are you with me? This is your choice, it's for anyone, and he says, and then you can, you can begin to come after me. You, begin to, you can begin to pursue Jesus' disciplines Deepen your relationship with God. Disciplines position you before God so that he can begin to transform you. Make sense? So, so here's some spiritual disciplines that I wanna, I wanna tell you. And I, I think that these, this isn't an exhaustive list, but there's just a couple I, I wanted to choose. And you can research some, but, but uh, I, I'm gonna put these out there because I think as we're heading into this, this period, in the beginning of the year with the fast, these are some things that we can highlight. We maybe can ask God to begin to work on in us we make the decision to engage in and integrate it in our life. And I'm telling you, you're going to see some very real change happen in your walk with God. Come on, who wants that in their lives? Amen? Here, here are a couple spiritual disciplines. And, and I want to just set the precedent. Spiritual disciplines, spiritual disciplines, they have to have a, a scriptural precedent. In other words, something that maybe Jesus did or the Apostle Paul did. We have to see them in scripture, like drinking coffee is not a spiritual discipline. I'm breaking hearts today. Shopping, shopping is not a spiritual discipline. You know, I'm still arguing with my mom about that one, but she knows a lot of scripture. Gardening, you know, these aren't spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are the things that we find in scripture that position us to begin to pursue God. Does that make sense? So here's a couple of them. Let me, let me show you the first one. Because I think if we identify them, that's a great place to start. The first spiritual discipline I want to show you is reading the word. So simple. Reading the word of God. Now hear me, hear me. The reading of the word of God has been practiced from generations. And as you read the word, the Bible begins to read you. Things begin to change. You begin to get a light for your path moving forward. Reading the word of God. Here's the thing that you need to understand about these disciplines. They cannot become a cage they're not supposed to be things that the enemy can then use to beat you over the head when you, when you miss a day or when you, when you don't engage in the principle. So, so in other words, what I'm saying is 
Reading the word is an unbelievable principle. But if you read one chapter, if you read one verse and meditate on it every day, that is better than you not doing anything for a month, sinning, and then reading seven chapters, because seven is the number of God. That's not discipline, right? That's not discipline. That's random. That's abstract. Disciplined is predetermined decisions. So it's not based on my emotion. Because if you're waiting to feel like a hunger for the word of God, you will never feel that. Hunger for the word of God is created as you begin to engage with the word of God. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because your body begins to crave what you give it. If you only ever eat cake, that's only ever what your body craves. One thing I never wanted was to uh, drink seltzer seltzer water. Never. Because I just felt like that's what adults drink. And when I begin to drink that, plus it doesn't taste like anything, but when I begin to drink that, I'll be a real official adult. So I'm, I, but my wife, that's all she buys for herself, nothing for me, <laughs> so you know. And so I've given over. And now all I want is seltzer water. And I'm a real adult now. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Good night. What am I talking about? The word of God. When you begin to read the word of God, your body begins to crave the word of God. Your mind begins to be formed to the word of God. And so this is an incredible discipline you can begin to put in your day, five minutes. There's great apps like the Bible app, you know? And and, and here's another reason that I feel that we don't engage in disciplines many times is because we try and put it on a pedestal of speciality that's so far out of reach. Read a verse of the day and say, God, speak to me. You know, through the next 21 days as we're having prayer nights, we're gonna actually have Sunday nights on how to read the word of God. And then we're just going to pray through it because it's so easy. The, the enemy, the devil, wants to get you distracted from this discipline and wants to give you all the reasons why you can't do it. And I'm telling you, simplify it. One verse, one day, Lord, speak to me. I'm telling you, he's going to begin to because scripture is breathed by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproving, for correction, for training. Come on, that's discipline. In righteousness, that the man and the woman of God may be competent. Come on, who wants to be competent? Equipped for every good work. Amen. Let me show you the next discipline, prayer. So simple, so simple. But you begin your day communicating with the one that can begin to affect your day. So powerful. And I think sometimes we make prayer a very difficult thing. We make it like you have to be holy. And, and you can't pray if you, just, if you sinned or if you just screwed up, when the reality is that's when you really need to pray. And it's not as if God's looking at you coming before the throne as a sinner and he's shocked by it. What? What were you doing 20 minutes ago? Gabriel told me, get out of here. That's not God. That's not God. God's saying, look, come back, repent. Come on, let's talk. Come on, what do you need? I'm with you. I'm with you. And now there needs to be communication. I think, listen, I think a lot of times the reason we don't pray is because it's not a spiritual discipline for us. Again, it's a random abstract concept. And then we build it up. So we think that in order to pray, we need to have a special room and we need to have a special candle and we need to have special music and we need to be wearing special clothes and we need to be playing the very special hill song. And it all needs to be at a very special time that's earlier than we've ever woken up. And then in that uh, moment, we shall pray before the Lord. You're never going to do that. You're never going to do that. And by the way, what other relationships do you have like that? 
Can you imagine in your marriage if the only time you were ever to talk to your spouse is when you, it was a certain time and you were wearing certain clothes and there was a certain song on and it got you in the mood and now let's talk about our day, baby. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Look at this verse. Pray in the spirit on all occasions. Pray everywhere. Pray as much as you can. Pray quickly. Pray little prayers. Pray, pray big prayers with all kinds of prayers and requests. In other words, God's not saying, come to me in this very specific and narrow way. You better have brought your beads because you got to pray your, just pray. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Come on, we are in this together. Let me, let me show you a couple more. Let me show you a couple more. Uh, silence. Oh, that's a good one. I could preach for an hour on silence right here. This is a difficult discipline because we live in such a noisy world. But it's an incredible discipline where if you put your phone down, you shut everything off and you wait, I'm telling you, you will hear from God. But understand, God speaks in a still small voice. He's not gonna shout. He's not gonna slap you upside the head, maybe sometimes. But primarily, he's gonna speak in the silence. So this is a discipline where you say, okay, five minutes today, I'm gonna sit in silence. Now, after about two minutes, you might feel existential dread begin to come over you. But that's just because you only ever lived in a process of avoidance and noise. Come over into the realm of silence. You're going to begin to discover things. And God's going to speak to you and say, hey, I want you to change this. Hey, you're doing a good job. Hey, I'm proud of you. For God alone, oh, my soul, wait in silence for my hope. It's not in things. It's from him. One more. Gratitude. I think this is a fantastic one. I put this one in there for me. You know, in my life, a lot of things that, that I trend towards naturally is move on. Come on, let's get it done. Come on, but let's move forward. We got big vision. We got stuff to accomplish. That's kind of how I live. And a lot of times, I don't celebrate the wins. And I, I miss sometimes those moments that God gives us where there's unbelievable stuff. Like, like these Christmas weekend services. Do you know that 42 people filled out a Connect card at one of our Christmas services to Connect. How incredible is that? 42 people said, I want to get involved. It's like unprecedented. And I want to take those moments and celebrate. I want to celebrate the stories. I think it's fantastic that we don't just have prayer requests, but that we have praise reports. Because the, the gratitude sets us up for the approach to ask for more. It's a beautiful spiritual discipline. And if you're able to begin your day with the gratitude. It's amazing how this is a spiritual discipline found all of scripture, but yet now even the world is figuring out that how powerful meditation is, how powerful silence is, how powerful it is to begin with gratitude, and how powerful fasting is even in your body. The whole world is discovering our spiritual disciplines. It's like we've been here, but I believe we're called to be back here. Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. In other words, if you're coming into the presence of the king, come grateful. When you pray, maybe just start, hey, God, I'm grateful for this one thing. And maybe try and make it a couple different things. And it's amazing how unique and creative you're going to get if you make a decision. Every day, I'm going to thank God for one thing. And it's very difficult to be overcome with anger, frustration, and bitterness when you've started your approach with gratefulness. It sets your mind correctly for the day. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Just one more. One more I want to show you. Spiritual discipline of fellowship. 
I want you to know you're engaging in this spiritual discipline right now. Come on, give it up for yourself that already you are engaged. I say that because I don't want to say, hey, you need to do more, and you gotta, you got to get there. I'm trying to say you are already doing some of these things. you got to recognize them. You know, integrate them. Maybe put it in a schedule. Write it down. Make it clear. But fellowship is so powerful. The Bible says don't neglect the gathering of the saints together because I need you and you need me. I want to challenge you. Over these next three weeks and over this series, will you identify a spiritual discipline that you want to grow in in your life? Maybe you're already doing it, but you want to take that next step forward. Identify it. And can I ask you to do this? Write it down. Name it and write it down. Put it somewhere where you can see it. Maybe even write out what that spiritual discipline means to you. I said that spiritual discipline of silence. Maybe for you it's not so much physical, actual silence, but maybe it's silencing the negative words that come out of your mouth. I'm going to choose to not say this. I'm going to choose. Even if I have to do that awkward thing where I start saying something and then I stop and then I tell everybody I'm not going to say that and then they always think the worst thing possible. Hey, I'm on a journey, but I am not going to say every single thing that comes into my head. That's a spiritual discipline. I don't know what yours needs to be. Maybe it needs to be fasting with us, and, and maybe you need to add to it a couple others. Maybe there's, is, there's a communion with God and, and, and reading the Word. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe you could look up a couple more. There's one that I, I said that you feel really hits your heart. But over the next few weeks, I'd ask you to write one of the spiritual disciplines down, something you've seen in Jesus that you want in you. Name it. Write it out. Set a goal and schedule it. Schedule it. Because let me tell you, if it's not in your schedule, it's not real. And it's not ever going to exist. Put a time to it and begin to work towards it. And can I tell you, do not ever let spiritual disciplines become a source of condemnation. The goal is not the discipline. The goal is Jesus. The discipline is a method to help get us close to Jesus. Can you say amen, church? Amen. 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 Well, I'm going to close in a moment here, but I want to talk to you a little bit about the spiritual discipline of fasting that we as a church are going to begin to do over these next 21 days. You know, this next week, we're going to be gathering at the church at 6 a.m. The reason I wanted to do that is I know some of your schedules work better for that, and we'd invite you to come. The two weeks after that, we're going to be at 7 o'clock, and I'm telling you, they're incredible moments. We pray, we worship, we get in groups. This year, we're even going to have a lot of interactive moments, take communion together, write down some names of people we're praying for, I'm going to teach you how to read the Word of God and different ways to pray. I'm really excited for it. But I'm telling you, it's an awesome spiritual discipline that I, I'd ask you to go all in on. And let's say you only make it three days. That might be three days further in a fast than you've ever made. And by the way, when it gets difficult and you feel like breaking the fast, that's not the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you. Just like, I, I tried it, but then I just felt like, you know, I've ended the fast because it was, diff, you, know, it was you know, it was tough and... I felt the Holy Spirit say, I release thee. No. <laughs> Fasting's not a feeling. Disciplines are a choice. I'm predetermining. Just like you would never ever go to the gym based on your feelings. If you're going to go based on your feelings, you've never been. No, you make a choice. And let me tell you a little bit of a secret here. When you begin to fast, it does get difficult because your flesh fights back. Fights back. You know how difficult it is to tell a two-year-old No. You know how much more difficult it is to tell a 22-year-old no? And when you're the one saying to yourself, it's tough. And your flesh wants to say, no, I'm in charge. And I got to say, no, 
No, I'm coming after Jesus. So I'm going to deny myself. You're not in charge. I'm going to take up this burden. It might be tough, but I'm going to grow. I'm going to be able to lift this thing. The weight that I'm able to carry now, it's nothing compared to the weight I'm going to be able to carry. And I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm telling you, you're going to discover him through the process in a brand new way. It might be a little bit tough. It's amazing how you begin to crave things you never craved before. But now that you're fasting, all of a sudden you're craving things. You walk by that, that old jar of candy corn. Been out since Halloween at the receptionist's desk. <laughs> Objectively, the worst candy God ever created. But it's calling your name. You're going to crave some things, but when you feel those hunger pains, what they are is a reminder that I'm hungry for you, God. I'm going to pray. Listen, you always got to fast for something. Maybe you're going to pray for breakthrough in your life, breakthrough in an area, restoration in a relationship. Maybe you're going to join the church. We're going to pray for awakening in this region. When you feel that hunger pain, you say, God, let there be a hunger for you in this region. You feel that hunger pain, you're reminded, Lord, I'm praying for my cousin. I'm praying for my friend. I'm praying for my boss. I'm praying for my spouse. Bring them back to you. Bring them close to you, Lord God. They're reminders. They're reminders to come close to Jesus. When we engage in these spiritual disciplines, when we engage in this passionate pursuit, it positions us before God to be changed and to come after him. Come on, how many people are excited and expectant for this next year, what God has for them, for prayer and fasting. Amen. Hey, I want you to know I believe in you. I think you can do it. I think it's going to be an awesome thing. And I'm excited to see what God does with this church over the next three weeks. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.